Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books in Critical Theory, which is part of the New Books Network. On this episode, I'm talking to Haikung Lee, who is a senior lecturer in culture and creative industries at King's College London, about her new book, Cultural Policy in South Korea, Making a New Patron State. So welcome to the podcast. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Um, This is a great book. It's really, really interesting, um, partially because South Korea is really, really Mm. interesting, but also because it makes several quite important theoretical contributions to our understanding of cultural policy and, and, and its relationship uh, to governments and states. And I guess the, the sort of like the place to start with the book is like, um, why are we interested in writing this mm. book? I mean, partially uh, South Korea is like a really popular topic mm. uh, for cultural and, and media studies, but, um, but also be interesting to hear like why you're interested in, I guess, making a theoretical contribution as yes, well. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, basically, I can say that I'm from South Korea. I've always very interested in, you know, better understanding of this, uh, the relationship, very complicated relationship, historically complicated relationship between culture and the state. Uh, so I was thinking, I've written some articles and then decided to write a book on this topic so that I can provide more in-depth analysis, historical um, and uh, uh, political analysis of the uh, development of cultural policy in South Korea. So basically, I had personal uh, interest uh, on this topic. And another uh, you know, reason uh, you know, for why uh, we need to look at South Korean cultural policy, why, does it, why it matters, is that uh, in South Korea, we tend to see uh, uh, one of the most uh, complicated and sophisticated cultural policies in the world. You, know, you uh, can find uh, many different uh, programs and schemes uh, for supporting culture and the arts. So why not having a look? And I think that the book uh, will attract uh, attention of you know cultural policy researchers who work on other countries, you know, uh, you know contexts. And as you mentioned, that uh, South Korea is becoming popular <laughs> in the field of cultural <laughs> policy studies because of the success of K-pop and K-drama, and many people are, are really interested in and uh, in what what happens with the policy, you know, how the policy has contributed to the success and the recent and, and current success of the Korea's cultural uh, industries. And I believe that uh, uh, the, the state and government um, and government agencies has played uh, certain important roles in promoting these industries. So uh, one of the chapters uh, is dealing with that issue. And initially, I was thinking about the uh, book title, Cultural Policy in South Korea, uh, colon, From Cultural Control to the Korean Wave. And then I changed the title uh, in a subtitle to making a new patron state because I wanted to, uh, you know, um, uh, highlight 
the centrality uh, of the of the state uh, in uh, defining uh, the cultural life of Korea, uh, people in Korea, and also you know promoting you know um, arts and uh, cultural industries. Um, so uh, one of the aims of this book is to you know uh, expanding um, the base uh, our understanding of the state. Uh, and then uh, contributing the theorization and conceptualization of the state in relation to uh, culture. Yeah, I mean, like the question of, of the status, you can argue it's almost a kind of foundational question mm. for cultural policy and cultural policy studies and sort of uh, development of, of particularly um, whether it's a kind of, mm. you know, the state and its relationship to the public sphere or mm. whether it's the state and it's, you know, uh, as you talk about in the book, you know, it's mechanisms of cultural mm. control and you mm. know, the governmentality of uh, uh, of culture. But obviously, you know, you mentioned that kind of new theorization, and that's in the subtitle, mm. isn't it? This idea of a new patron state. And I think before we sort of get into, I suppose, the development mm. of the new patron states, uh, which again is, is fascinating in the Korean context because of um, the historical narrative you've got, it's probably worth us kind of saying, what mm. is it? What are we talking about here mm. with, it, with this idea, this object, the yeah. new patron state? Yeah. Um, I suppose that the notion of patron state is familiar for cultural policy researchers. Um, you know, it was born in the context of uh, Western Europe and North America, and it broadly refers to state uh, uh, acting as a benevolent uh, patron for arts and culture and state having uh, established a system for cultural uh, subsidy. And here uh, at the center of this notion, I think there is uh, this combination of cultural, you know, um, uh, freedom. You know, these uh, no, existing patron states, they are found in the Western uh, Europe and North American uh, countries, so we have this combination of cultural control, uh, cultural freedom, and state intervention in the form of subsidy. Um, so um, you know, this is the uh, the basic understanding uh, of the patron state, and uh, here state uh, intervenes in culture for the purpose of heritage protection, uh, artistic excellence, and um, the public accessibility, uh, etc. Um, you know, the, the patron states found in um, the North America and uh, the European, uh, you know, uh, countries, um, they tend to be different in terms of the rules assigned to the state and the degree of uh, decentralization, centralization of police making and the relationship between key actors uh, in police network. Um and uh, in the case of Korea, um, Korea went through this very successful democratization process. Um, you know, thanks to that, I think that Korea now is on uh, par with the Western patron states. Um, artists and cultural organizations, they enjoy cultural freedom and the state uh, are willing to, uh, you know, uh, act as a, you know, patron for the cultural sector, and the country now has a very uh, you know, robust uh, and well-established uh, system for um, you know, cultural uh, investment and cultural subsidy. Uh, and, Which has been incredibly successful uh, yes, in yeah. terms of exports. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Korea's patron states goes beyond uh, that. 
and because uh, the Korean government kind of, you know, uh, invented a new responsibility of the patron state, which is, you know, applying uh, the industrial logic to the cultural, you know, policy and systematically support cultural industry so that uh, the industry can work for the, you know, the development of national economy. So there is very strong uh, economic orientation uh, in the case of Korean cultural policy. So in that sense, I would say that Korea is, can be seen as a kind of new type of patron state where we can see a very interesting combination of the uh, democratic approach, uh, understanding of culture, and the very state, statist you know, uh, management of cultural policy uh, and um, as well as, you know, this, you know, um, cultural freedom and cultural autonomy. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I suppose, uh, opportunities mm. uh, for the development of cultural policy in Korea comes with Korea's modernization agenda yes. and the perceived or actual need for modernization, mm. which obviously there isn't the same context in some of the patron states of mm. the US, France, UK, or wherever. And that, you know, sort of heavily interventionist in some ways mm. uh, relationship between state and cultural production is, is one of the things that underpins yes. yeah. uh, this uh, new model almost. Mm. In order to kind of understand that, I think you do need to know a bit, and the book's really mm. good on this actually, of the kind of history of that that modernization project. Mm. So, you know, the kind of sense of moving from uh, US rule and the war, uh, both actually, you know, uh, in terms of the Korean War, but also uh, after uh, the end of the Second World War, mm. um, to being a kind of like fully... Mm almost like hyper-technological advanced mm. industrial nation. And I wonder if you could like sketch out maybe the kind of, uh, I suppose, the, the key cultural elements yeah. uh, of that mm. modernization um, mm. story. Yes, I, I think that um, Korean cultural policy or Korea's understanding of cultural reflects this very turbulent uh, socio-historical and political trajectory the Korean society went uh, on over time. So there was Japanese colonization where sort of modern cultural policy firstly introduced, uh, was introduced to Korean, uh, you know, uh, you know, society. So like uh, film policy, theater policy, museum policy, heritage policy, they were introduced during this period as part of uh, colonial governance. You can see that uh, there is a strong element of education, social education, but at the same time, this uh, education is came with, you know, physical and symbolic violence uh, towards uh, Korea's indigenous and popular and folk culture. Um, so that happened uh, during the colonial period. And then um, it was uh, followed by liberation. But after um, the liberation, uh, Korea was occupied by the U.S. military. Uh, for three years. And, you know, during this period, uh, the U.S. Uh, military occupiers uh, wasn't really interested into, you know, supporting arts and culture in Korea. They were not very, I think, they weren't impressed by contemporary Korean arts and artists. What they did was kind of basically listing uh, heritage uh, sites and um, uh, artifacts 
and provide some uh, basic, you know, protection for uh, cultural heritage. And that was one part. And the other part was, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the concerns with socialist artists, activities, and, you know, the, the, and then kind of, you know, suppression of you know, what they were doing. Uh, and then there was, we uh, understood within this bigger uh, picture of uh, Cold War that was going on at the time. And then um, after the uh, U.S. military occupation, uh, Korea had an independent, you know, uh, became really independent and, and then had a, a, its own government, etc. However, the government wasn't democratic and there was an authoritarian rule. And then the government was lacking resource and, and was uh, dealing with more urgent economic uh, issues and political economic issues. So cultural policy uh, wasn't uh, on the high, on the agenda of the government. So there was lack of resource for the cultural sector and the independent Korea uh, you know, during this period uh, until uh, early 60s uh, uh, couldn't afford make uh, um, an active cultural policy if you like. And then the situation uh, changed a lot with the arrival of uh, the president, a uh, uh, new president, Park Jong-hee, uh, who was a dictator. So we had a di- dictatorship in Korea uh, throughout the 1960s and until um, 1979. Um, this period is really interesting uh, uh, and, uh, um, because uh, there was very heavy cultural um, censorship and cultural control you know, and very top down, you know, um, the, the police making uh, regarding, you know, mobilizing Korean uh, population for this, you know, grand project of, uh, you know, modernization of the country. And modernization uh, initially was an economic project, is making the country, you know, get out of the poverty, Korea, you know, until early 60s. Korea was one of the most you know, poorest countries in the world. So it's kind of removing the poverty and then, you know, uh, 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 make it uh, industrialize and then, uh, you know, uh, um, catching up with uh, the, uh, the, um, uh, in the economically advanced countries. So that was a key agenda uh, for the modernization project. But at the same time, it was a political uh, project as well. Uh, so it's achieving, you know, developing so-called Koreanized or localized democracy uh, that could better manage this process of economic modernization. So Koreanized democracy was basically was a controlled democracy, you know, led by top-down, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, top-down way by the uh, government and uh, under the elite leadership, and and Korean people was supposed to contribute to this process, and they were also ex- expected to uh, become uh, obedient citizens and uh, productive workers, um, again, contributing to the modernization project. And then cultural policy was contributing uh, to this process a lot, and, and the government was promoting national culture uh, and seeing it as a, a container of national spirit hopes and aspirations. Um, so basically, uh, you know, national culture refers to a set of traditions and heritage and, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, 
um, cultural uh, um, activities. Um, and, 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 but um, not all heritage and all uh, traditional arts were seen as national, um, national culture. And it was kind of filtered uh, by uh, this lens of uh, patriotism and, um, and um, collective, uh, um, what do I say, um, this um, sense of national unity and um, yes. So it, basically the government was quite selective when it talks about na national culture uh, and then expected uh, the whole population to kind of, you know, to, to learn about it and practice it and uh, make contribution to the advancement of national culture in this sense. I mean, and to an extent we get what you'd expect mm. uh, in the transition to democracy and democratization mm. reflected in the cultural sector. So, you know, if we have... The authoritarian period is a story mm. of, uh, you know, culture being used to create an imagined community yeah. that can modernise the economy, but also, as you say, you know, mm. has a Korean democracy in the sense mm. of uh, a quite elite-led, controlled mm. project. We get a period of, I was quite interested in this, the, the kind of sense of a period of, of almost kind of like uh, culture wars going mm. on over, uh, you know, the kind of struggles for what culture should be, what its role should be. I guess, you know, sometimes you might think of this mm. in terms of being artistic freedom, um, about um, what should be kind of almost, you know, sort of uh, the state's ability to frame mm. but not to control uh, yeah. culture. And I found that fascinating because that, period and that um, moment of, of transition and development mm. sets up the grounds for what becomes this incredibly successful economic project. Yeah, basically, I think that's, uh, as I mentioned, this period under the, the dictatorial rule uh, of um, Park jong is really important because, you know, this is period of cultural control, but at the same time, this is a period where the government uh, you know, develop the capacity to make, you know, a cultural policy in a, an efficient way, you know, providing resources uh, and also developing a structure for um, cultural promotion. So there was very heavy political agenda, ideological agenda, and there was a big, you know, heavy cultural control. But at the same time, this is a period where kind of uh, the period that can be seen as a beginning of the contemporary cultural policy. So the cultural bureaucracy, its trade, its capacity, uh, the way how it operates has been inherited by later democratic governments. So in that sense, there is a, a both continuation and discontinuation of uh, cultural policy uh, under the authoritarian government. And, and then it was followed by very successful democratization uh, and where uh, cultural activism was a big part. You know, there were, you know, when it comes to um, the later part of the 1980s, there were many arts groups and cultural organizations uh, uh, who, you know, fought, uh, you know, for cultural freedom and, and also who competed for the ownership uh, of uh, national uh, culture, 
because they uh, wanted to broaden the meaning of culture. They wanted to you know, go uh, against, go beyond this official understanding of national culture. But they, uh, at the same time, they were uh, sticking to this idea of national culture. So their strategy was to uh, re-interpret um, uh, uh, the meaning of national culture uh, by referring to uh, grassroots cultural expressions and folk tradition of Korea, and also, uh, you know, uh, pointing out the importance of the social rules and political rules of uh, artists and, um, you know, um, cultural organizations. So there was a lot of, you know, collaboration, kind of the connection between, uh, you know, democratic movement and cultural activism uh, during this period. And that's made a big impact on cultural policy as well. So what I think that is quite interesting is the constructive uh, response from the Korean government during this period, particularly uh, in the early 90s. So, uh, you know, cultural uh, ministry, they discarded cultural propaganda. So this role of, you know, disseminating public information was moved from the cultural ministry to another department within the government. So cultural ministry from that time was supposed to you know, promote culture and rather than control um, the cultural sector and artists. And um, so there was a big moment for uh, Korean cultural policy. And uh, very recently, we had, uh, you know, um, some... Um, scandals uh, around um, cultural funding, cultural investment. And I think this scandal, uh, like um, the ministry and the cultural agencies uh, produce a list of, you know, kind of blacklist of artists so that they could be excluded from art funding and cultural investment, which cannot be accepted. And uh, and people were uh, shocked and very angry about uh, this and then uh, you know artists they protested a lot and they demanded you know government apology and also they demanded a big change uh, in uh, cultural policy and you know that happened uh, during uh, the previous administration and and you know and I think that um, and then the the, the president uh, previous and uh, the president was uh, criticized a lot and she uh, was hosted eventually. So that means that uh, that sort of happening uh, wouldn't occur uh, in the future easily. Uh, it isn't acceptable in Korea. But I think there is, uh, it's easy for us to uh, blame the former president and those who co-opted with, the, uh, with uh, the, the Blue House and the president. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I think that we need to kind of um, sit down and think about you know, why this happened, and maybe uh, we can understand uh, understand it from uh, the context of the rising divisive politics in in Korea. You know, there is an increasing kind of uh, schism between the left and the right, and then uh, before this, you know, blacklist scandal happened. Uh, there were kind of, you know, media sort of, you know, uh, debate about, uh, you know, um, um, f- where the cultural, public cultural resources are 
heading to, you know, who are getting more, uh, the left and the right. There were this sort of debate, and I think this reflects and also part of the, the rising divisive politics in South Korea. I mean, it, what's so fascinating about it is the both lineage of authoritarian control, which, you know, once you've got those policy levers, even in a democratic context, it's always kind of tempting to pull them, you know, and mm. uh, to kind of carry on using them. But at the same time, it's a story that I guess is not the dominant narrative mm. of Korean cultural policy now, partially because we might think of Korean cultural policy um, in the context of being, you know, sort of almost entrepreneurial, mm. creative industries style cultural policy, uh, which, you know, you talk about being sort of yeah. uh, cautious over and you want to, you know, kind of point attention to the historical lineages. And then at the same time, you know, as we've gestured towards already and might have been the title of, or the subtitle of the book, the, the Korean wave, which is the kind of like mm. the thing that people, you know, almost uh, think is the, the only kind of story mm. of, of cultural policy. So I, I suppose it'd be good to hear a bit about that kind of sense of the creative industries moment, and, yes. you know, that kind of like that entrepreneurial moment, mm. but shaped by what had come before. Um, and then, yeah, the story of, of the Korean wave is mm. maybe like, I suppose the kind of like something that, under the surface has a lot of debates associated mm-hmm. with it and wasn't, you know, a kind of uh, simple story of just like, oh, you know, nation branding and mm. industrialised cultural production. Actually, you know, there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And yes, um, and I think that uh, many people are interested in Korean culture because of this you know, success of um, the country's cultural businesses and industries. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's difficult to scientifically prove how much the state-driven cultural policy uh, has made contributions to the success of the Korean wave. It's difficult to, you know, you know to find out uh, scientifically. However, uh, you know, you can see easily there are connections. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, there have been a lot of support from the government for uh, the cultural industries since uh, the 1990s. Uh, so it has been almost, you know, 20 years. And also during this period, uh, the cultural industries in Korea have grown a lot, very rapidly, have been globalized a lot. And you can uh, point out this, um, the government concern with cultural exports, uh, and you know, as uh, early as uh, the 1998, you know. So uh, from the very beginning of Korea's cultural industries policy, uh, there was very strong concern uh, uh, about uh, this export potential of uh, the country's cultural commodities. And so, um, so I was kind of thinking, you know, that, um, that we can compare what has happened in Korea uh, under this uh, idea of cultural industries policy and what happened in the UK. It's really interesting to compare. In the UK, although there has been a lot of uh, discussion around creative industries and, and relevant policy, and actually the, uh, the government hasn't really deeply involved in providing, you know, investment and funding for the, the industries. 
and it prefers you know uh, you know investing in education and training programs and also investing in regional cultural clusters so in a way that the uk approach is quite indirect and it prefers a horizontal approach kind of rather than dealing with individual industries and, and there's, uh, there's such a, a like a, an aesthetic hierarchy as well like mm-hmm. one one thing that's really strongly striking is the sense that you know state in the UK would it's been involved with film but it mm. wouldn't be you know we must set up our own film industry mm. you know it has strong involvement in particular like you know, classical music for mm. example but at no point would it be like we need a state-owned record label mm. and we should be industrial players in mm. that sense yeah so in a way um that UK approach is kind of is uh is f- Found in its uh, creative industry policy is quite similar, uh, um, you know, um, to what we see in its uh, arts policies. Kind of reservation about the strong state and direct intervention, but you know, uh, something which is contrasting that it has happened in Korea. So from the very beginning, Korean government uh, was uh, kind of passionate about very into, uh, you know, the providing industry-specific support while dealing with generic issues as well, such as uh, skills issues and copyright and, you know, infrastructure uh, provision, etc. So in Korea, uh, almost all, uh, you know, each industry uh, belonging to cultural industries or creative industries uh, has, uh, you know, be given some sort of support from the the government. So uh, in a way, I think it's really intriguing because uh, the Korea's, uh, you know, the Korean government's policy for and on cultural industries is in between cultural policy and industrial policy. And I think it's closer to industrial policy in terms of its rationale and policy options, uh, the policy means. Um, but it, and it is really, you know, commercially driven uh, and economic, uh, cent- economic century and export driven, but at the same time, this doesn't mean that the, the uh, small government or reduction of government investment. Again, we have very strong market agenda and very strong uh, state, uh, you know, um, um, you know, presence. Uh, I think this makes Korea's approach uh, very uh, intriguing and, and puzzling uh, for people. And a Korean wave. Um, I think this is really interesting area because, you know, uh, here people, uh, again, going back to this question, uh, what comes first? Um, you know, some people, uh, you know, say that maybe there are state support, therefore Korea, the Korean wave. And some people say that Korean wave comes first and then state support follows. And I think that Korean wave started as a consumption phenomena uh, abroad. Uh, without uh, government intervention or government su- Korean government support. But as of uh, the middle of 2000s, the Korean government saw what was happening abroad and it uh, thought that, you know, uh, maybe, you know, um, there is a lot of export potential uh, uh, there. And then uh, also uh, this, you know, cultural export and the Korean wave uh, could be good for uh, nation branding and good for selling uh, Korean-made, you know, uh, commodities beyond cultural uh, products. 
so government uh, began systematically uh, supporting uh, you know the Korean wave in various ways, and government you know collect data on overseas cultural you know um, uh, overseas consumption of Korea's cultural commodities, uh, the activities of overseas cultural you know Korean uh, wave fandom um, in communities, etc. Um, but it's, it, it it always brings us back to where we started in the sense of there's also the element of a particular kind of globalised mm. uh, democratic society, nationalism, mm. but achieved, you know, through completely different means um, to the sorts of kind of formal um, cultural education programmes of mm. uh, the authoritarian era. And it, it just struck me as fascinating as, you know, you have a whole different kind of set of techniques mm. Um, that, you know, have totally different status for artistic and cultural products, different, you know, uh, discourses around artistic and cultural freedom, but you still have that, almost in that kind of Foucauldian sense, the productivity Mm. of a particular kind of national consciousness. Yes, yeah. Um, How do I say? Um, This using culture for governing um, society, governing, um, you know, the people, um, you know that has hap- that has existed you know, uh, of, you know over time. So it was very overt and very direct uh, during the authoritarian period. And we don't have that sort of cultural control, but we have a uh, 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 you know, kind of implicit, uh, you know, uh, sort of cultural control. I think the the term cultural control is too strong. The implicit way of shaping people's thinking and way of life using culture, in this case, you know, using Korean wave elements. And uh, in this book, um, I've, you know, um, suggest uh, some uh, uh, very exciting examples uh, showing uh, that sort of approach. Um, you know, one example is web dramas, um, you know, commissioned and created by public uh, authorities, public agencies dealing with employment, SME, finance, uh, etc., uh, using Korean wave uh, elements such as Korean uh, wave stars, uh, well-known stars, and pop idols, and dealing with stories where young people, young generation Koreans, uh, learn lessons, uh, you know, uh, about how to survive uh, in the tough you know, a socio-economic environment, um, you know, by being more resilient, uh, being hard, uh, 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 hardworking and getting, you know, support from government agencies, uh, etc., or being, uh, by being, uh, you know, globally ambitious. So in a way that, um, um, you know, still I think that we have this kind of gentle uh, push uh, from the government uh, about how to live and how to sort of how to uh, behave, how to be a good citizen um, in, in this uh, you know new environment of uh, you know neoliberal and uh, neoliberal post-industrial uh, uh, economy. Um, and also, I think that in that sense, it's really interesting to look at the rules played by the Korean wave, the Korean wave discourse. And, and in the uh, book I uh, mentioned um, about this, the young 
uh, people, you know, groups of young people uh, who, you know, try to uh, learn, uh, you know, kind of uh, skills, uh, um, uh, entrepreneurial skills and event management skills and new skills and have a, have global and international experiences by, um, you know, going abroad and doing something with uh, the local people within the framework of the Korean wave. And they are sort of self-appointed cultural ambassadors of the country and they are sort of, uh, they are not patriotic, uh, but, um, you know, but at the same time, I think that what they are doing is very uh, nationalistic, uh, you know, promoting uh, Korean food and Korean, Korean culture voluntarily and, and, and combining, um, you know, this endeavor with, you know, an entrepreneurship and business, uh, et cetera. So that's interesting to look at. I mean, there's like so much more uh, we could talk about in the book. Uh, the book is um, really kind of rich in detail with examples as well as um, the historical and, and theoretical analysis. Um, I guess we might conclude, though, in, in thinking about what do you do next after a book like this? You know, because, I mean, it's so kind of comprehensive. Are you thinking about writing more about um, Korean cultural policy? Are you thinking about uh, doing more, you know, kind of theoretical work around the new patron states? Or are you going to do something completely different? Um, I, um, yeah, I have uh, a few different projects that are related um, with each other and also to this uh, book. Uh, Korean cultural policy on um, Korean cultural policy. So I want to um, explore um, the rules of you know the, the nature of cultural policy in um, in the divisive in the divisive uh, society such as Korea today. You know cultural policy um, in relation to the divisive politics. That's uh, cultural policy. In other words, cultural policy after. The democratization. What that's you know what uh, it looks like. That's uh, one project which would be useful for Britain, America, France. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah. so. Yes, yeah. yeah. And the next um, the one is to uh, look uh, 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 at uh, this dynamics between market forces and state forces in Korea's cultural industries project. So I'm thinking of writing a book uh, on the relationship between the cultural industries and the state, uh, primarily in Korea. But I hope that I can bring in some comparative perspective as well. Recently, I comp- I've compared uh, creative industries policies in, in the UK and Korea. And then I want to also look at the experience of France. Um, so there can be some interesting comparison. Um, yeah, these are the, are the main projects which I'm thinking at the moment. <laughs>